When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello, everybody. Bridget McGowan here, and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I have with me, Ricky Burney. Ricky, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you so much. Very, very good. Ricky, you have probably done a lot of presentations yourself and you've seen a lot of presentations. What would you say is one of the biggest mistakes you see speakers make and how do you fix it? Hmm. One of the biggest mistakes I see speakers make is I see a lot of speakers who go into the space feeling as if it's all about them. Mm, And when I say that, I mean, speakers will go in and they try to elevate themselves in a certain way to appear as if they are these larger than life figures. And what I've realized is that the best way to enter into a space is in a space of humility and in a space of wanting to genuinely connect with others. And that's how you maximize your ability to impact through your message. It has to be audience centric. I'm telling you, I think those are some of the worst presentations when it's all about the speaker and what he's done and where she's been and what awards he's won. It's like, uh, as an audience member, every audience member is tuned to that FM channel of, or that FM station of WIIFM. What's in it for me? That's what station everyone is listening to. And I know it sounds selfish and one-sided, but hey, when you're an audience member, you're sitting there, the speaker is holding you hostage. (laughs) You want to get something out of it. And it needs to be more than that speaker's bio. It needs to be more than that speaker's list of accolades. Now, how did you get into the world of speaking? So I got into the world of speaking, I would say in 2016, I was going through a moment where I had went on a trip for a while. I just kind of used trips and the weekend as an escape from life. So I was doing things, but just in general, my the only thing I lived for was the weekend. And I went on this one trip and everyone was talking about their occupations and the things that they did. And for me, that was just foreign. I didn't understand why people were doing that. And I realized it's because people were operating in purpose. And I realized that what I needed to do was to learn what it was that I was called to do in a way that I enjoyed it. And I didn't have to feel a need to escape. So by doing that, I discovered that I wanted to do coaching. And I realized that as a coach, you still had to learn how to speak in front of people. I had a deathly fear of speaking in front of people. 
So there was a moment where I had the opportunity to speak and I can, and I, I, <laughs> I'll just say I bombed it. it. It was horrible. It was horrible. So I got into Toastmasters and it was there that I discovered my love of speaking in front of audiences and just having that 30 minutes to an hour or two hours, whatever it is, I learned that that divine moment was something that I wanted to extend. And it was something that was meant for me in terms of my purpose. You know, Ricky, I grew up in an environment where you just wanted to get a job, make an honest living. It didn't matter if you enjoyed what you did. And I don't know that I was around people who had that kind of mindset of, oh, I love my profession. I love what I do. I can't wait until Monday morning. So it sounds like on that trip that you had gone on, you were in the midst of people who absolutely love what they did. I would have been just like you. I didn't, I, I didn't get that when I was growing up. And it wasn't until probably really getting into being a professional speaker where I was like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to get to work. Now, I want to talk a little bit about your epiphany with getting into Toastmasters and just really working on crafting a speech. What was your biggest aha when you went from being deathly afraid of public speaking to saying, oh, okay, I can do this. Like, what was the biggest lesson or the biggest aha moment you had? Yeah, so... Getting into Toastmasters, I I would say that it was easy, but it wasn't. So I always tell the story, even in the club that I support, especially for new members who are apprehensive, it took me three times to visit before I actually stepped into the room. So I will always go into the parking lot and I would talk myself out of it, the limiting beliefs. I would talk myself out. These people are going to be way more advanced. They're going to be way more articulate. They're going to have more experience and I'm going to feel as if I'm an outsider. So every time I would talk myself out of going. And then it was that one fateful day I decided just to get out the car and go into the room. And I was even a few minutes late, but I said, I'm going to commit this day. And I'm glad that I did it because I ran into, I got lost, but I ran into someone who's going into the same place. And that ended up being a person that I ended up doing collaborations with in the future in terms of speaking. But the moment I stepped in, I realized that it was a family environment. And I didn't speak that night, actually. But the next night, I did do table topics, which is impromptu speaking. And the fears of embarrassing myself, being shamed of what I felt was my inability to speak, that was obsolete. It was all in my head. And I realized it was a supportive environment. So what I realized is that with each step, it helps me to challenge the limiting beliefs and the thoughts that the irrational thoughts, I'll say the irrational thoughts that you have. And it allowed me to piece by piece step further into what it was. I didn't know that necessarily I wanted to be a professional speaker in that moment, but doing the table topics, then doing my icebreaker speech and deciding to continuously do those speeches I realized that people were resonating with my words and I realized that I was losing myself in the moment. And that's how I got to the epiphany that this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. 
Now, everybody, you heard Ricky say something about a club. And I know a lot of y'all were probably thinking the Pussycat Cabaret Club or what have you. No, Toastmasters, they consider themselves clubs, okay? So you'll have a Toastmasters club around you. But no, they don't They don't have disco balls and red lights and DJs and such. He's not talking about that kind of club. Now, <laughs> As the founder of Emerging Excellence LLC, Ricky Bernie is on a mission to help people understand what he champions as the universal truth, which is harnessing the power of change begins with how we think. The Tampa native educates through keynote speeches, coaching sessions, and mentorship on how to live an impactful life. Ricky was classically educated in psychology from the University of South Florida, and he uses his bachelor's degree coupled with a solutions-focused coaching certification to tackle the hurdles of career navigation and self-discovery for his clients. Within his 13 years of talent acquisition experience and current pursuit of a master's degree in industrial organizational psychology, this motivated millennial is on the move. Ricky, what is your favorite presentation to deliver and why is it your favorite? Ooh, well. Hard to pick just, is it, is it hard to pick just one? <laughs> it is, it is. I will say my favorite, I did one recently that's been very successful in various capacities, but I will say my favorite one is the one that was honestly the, catalyst for people really seeing me as a speaker. And it's one that has been in, in corporate sectors, it's been in the community, it's been in the schools, and it's MVP. And that stands for Mindset, Vision, and Performance. When you think about MVP in terms of sports, that's usually one player or a very limited amount of people. But as an MVP in real life, every single person has the ability to be the MVP because we are only our only competition. So the, the presentation is centered around getting outside of those limitations and just really being intentional in every aspect of your life with your mindset. What are some of the things that you entertain that allow you to stay in that space in your vision? How do you develop a vision that is intentional, that is legacy driven? And in your performance, what are those behaviors and those habits that keep you into a space where you're not optimal, optimally performing in your excellence? So that that speech for me was the one that when I did it, it it took me to a whole nother level. Even some of the theatrics that I used in it, I was just in that moment. I was in that space. I had went through something the first time I really presented it and everything that I was going through in that moment it it just dissipated because I was no longer Ricky the person. I was Ricky the person that is the messenger, Ricky who was the vessel. And that's for me the reason why I say that's my favorite speech because it was the first time I was truly honoring my space in that moment and honoring my assignment. Wow. What do you think stops people from harnessing that power and getting into that moment? What stops them? The fear of judgment, the occupancy, being occupied with the perceptions of others, and honestly, 
magnifying our our faults or our perceived faults and our perceived limitations in life because that was what kept me in that space even starting in toastmasters and in other arenas when i first started speaking i would always pay attention to all of the expressions of the people and i would be so focused on interpreting what those expressions meant instead of just delivering the message in that moment you never know what a person has going on in their head and sometimes when a person is giving you a stank face where you think they aren't resonating with your word, what it is, is actually resonating with them and they're feeling that in their spirit because those are the ones that actually come up to you at the end of your presentation. So I had to get out of my head and learn tech techniques in order for me to not lose myself and get back to being me instead of being the message. So there's a few things I do. The first thing I do before anything, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a keynote, what no matter where I'm presenting or where I'm speaking, I, I get into my corner and I say to myself, diminish the man, uplift the message. Diminish the man, uplift the message. Less of me, more of you. So in other words, I, I at that moment, minimize who I am as self and I maximize my surroundings so that I can maximize the message that I'm supposed to bring to the world. So that's one thing. In terms of getting over the fear of judgment and the perceptions of other people by looking at their expressions, it actually helped me because I learned how to engage every person, but not stay on that person too long. Because the moment you stay on them too long, then that's when you're starting to analyze what they're what they're thinking about. But it also sometimes when you're staring at them too long, they might be feeling uncomfortable. So I realized that there's a certain amount of eye contact that you should do before you go to the next person because you don't want the other people to feel excluded. You want to make sure that you're giving every single person in there equal attention. I love that. Tell me that again it was less of me the speaker and more yes. of, of more of you so for me it's yes. maximize self so it's minimize self maximize surroundings and maximize your message mm. that is it love it in a little bit you will have the opportunity to ask me a question but for now i want to know if you think back to the first presentation you made versus the most recent presentation you've made what would you say is the biggest differentiator and you know what is so crazy about this both of them were more impromptu. And I'll tell you this. So the first presentation I did, I learned that I needed to be there one hour before. So first speech ever given and told you need to come here and you need to speak to these business owners one hour before the event's happening. I'm already get, dealing with jitters from being a public speaker and not realizing that I have the gift of doing that. So just being in my head in that moment. And I actually was able to see that presentation 
in a Facebook memory, someone had recorded it, maybe I want to say it was three weeks ago, and I could see the difference. I, I felt the spirit, but I could see the difference in how I navigated the stage in that moment. I was so cautious and so cognizant about saying the wrong thing. And this most recent one, I ended up getting my dates wrong. We didn't confirm an email the way that we should. And I got my dates wrong for the keynote presentation that I was supposed to do in a school. Ricky, so, my eyes are about to pop completely yes. out of my head. I'm about yes. to go into cardiac arrest. And this didn't <laughs> even happen to me. What did you do? Well, I was at the gym. <laughs> I was at the gym working out, actually thinking about the presentation I think I'm presenting in two days. And they're asking me, what is your ETA? And I said, well, I will be there on time on Friday. And they said, well, it's today. I said, oh, okay. Well, I said, well, I will be there in approximately 30 minutes. And the location was actually about a 40 minute drive. So I ran home, got dressed really quickly, got onto the interstate, dealt with some traffic and still made it there in roughly about 40 minutes. And it worked out because they needed the extra time to allow the teachers to mingle amongst themselves, being that that was their first time seeing each other a lot. However, the whole time I was there, I was thinking about all of the things that were against me. Number one, I got the dates wrong. And I had been thinking about this. This was something we discussed months ago. And I was so ready to deliver this keynote. I was preparing for it. I, I was ready for it. And I got the dates wrong. So that's in my head. I'm on the interstate and traffic is backed up. There's accidents everywhere. So I'm thinking again right now, well, now I have everything that's telling me that maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to do. Maybe I'm not supposed to be there. So I'm panicking in regards to that. And then as I'm getting closer, I'm getting different calls about different things. So it's like there was so much working against me telling me that I need to just turn around. And I was even thinking about that once I got closer to the school I was thinking to myself, they're going to be mad that I'm late. They're not going to be receptive to me. I've, I feel embarrassed. I feel ashamed. I'm going to turn back around and, and just cut my loss. And in that moment, that was when I got the message. I got the message that I needed to give because I'm supposed to encourage teachers who are dealing with the possible school closure right now. And they want them to feel motivated. So you're in this moment where you're facing all these obstacles that's telling you not to do it. And you almost gave up. These teachers are getting information saying that they won't have a job. They won't be able to be in that school. And you're supposed to tell them not to give up. That was the message. And that is what I mean about maximizing your surroundings. That's what I did. And I brought that in there. And it was one of the strongest speeches I gave. It There were some impromptu things. There were things with the original format that I incorporated. But I incorporated every single thing that I dealt with in that moment. And the teachers all wanted their book signed, all wanted to connect after that. So for me, the difference is, I realized how to be resilient and I realized how to maximize all of the different obstacles around me to make my message more clearer and more impactful. Ooh, 
I love how that came through for you, where you recognize your situation in no way compared to the situation those teachers were facing. And as such, you needed to push through, break traffic laws, jump a curve, whatever it was you needed to, to get there so you could uplift those teachers. Love that, love that. What's your question for me? And you've been sitting on this question for a minute, so I'm I'm beyond concerned. So let me see what you have. <laughs> well, it it's still aligned in that same area. So for me, what I have learned, especially in the speaker business, is in order for you to really be booked, you have to have your your niche, right? And what I notice is sometimes people are very niche, but the niche is sometimes something very, it's, it's unique in a sense, but so unique that sometimes they don't understand how to explain it to people, how to necessarily, I don't even say monetize it, but to be able to bring it to people where it's going to connect with others. It, just, it sounds great, but in reality, it, it it's not rooted in an actual message or an actual assignment. So I guess for me, my question to you is how do you how do you get people to find their niche that is focused on purpose and not necessarily trying to trying to chase profit, which I feel sometimes people do. Here's an exercise that I firmly believe helps you with finding that purpose. And I like the way you put it so that you're chasing purpose and not profit because it's when you chase purpose and when you chase impact, the profit eventually comes. So here's the exercise. I want you to look at three different areas of your life. I want you to look at your personal life, your academic life, and your professional life. With your academic life, I'm talking about K through 12 and beyond. What lessons did you learn both inside and outside of the classroom? Were there teachers, principals, deans, presidents who made an impact on you? What were some stories, the good and the bad, that just never left you? Answer those questions for your personal life. And not for your personal life, but for your academic life. And then shift over to the personal life. And it's the same thing. Who are the friends, the relatives, the neighbors that just resonate with you or you resonate with them? What would they say about you? What are some unforgettable times that you've shared? What are some aha moments that have just never left you? What are some hiccups? What are some mistakes? And how did you learn from those mistakes? I'm thinking about you racing down that interstate and how, you know, no big deal. You're late for something. You mixed up the dates or whatever. But then wait for just a second. I got something out of that. And answer your answer those questions, and then shift into the professional life. What was your trajectory? Look at where you are now professionally and where you started. Was this the original plan? How did it ebb and flow and shift? Did you have mentors along the way? Did you have sponsors along the way? 
Were there some things that you would do differently? I think about my own perspective when it comes to quote unquote professional, the professional world. I told you how I grew up in a household where it, it didn't matter what you did as long as you just made an honest living. And there wasn't a focus on working toward your passion. It was just about, hey, if work starts at eight, you get there at 7.50. And if work ends at five, then you leave at 5.05 or what have you. You get there early, you stay late, you pay, mind your own business, don't get into other folks' business, so on and so forth, right? It wasn't about a passion. So think about what your professional life has been like. So look at those three areas. What stories can you pull from them? What lessons did you learn? What aha moments have you had? And then I think that's how you find that passion. There's some common thread that is going through the academic, the personal, and the professional parts of you. And just sit with those areas and 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 dig through. I think you'll find that that passion. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you. That's a really, yeah, that's a really, that's a really, really, really good question. I like that because with speaking, having such a low bar of entry, so to speak, and this is not to whatever minimize the industry, but you, there's not some certification you have to go get or some degree you have to go get or anything like that. As long as you have an amazing message and fabulous delivery and command of the stage, you can get up there and own the microphone. So with it having that low bar, it's incredibly important that you do exactly what you were just talking about, where you chase the purpose and you chase the passion as opposed to ch chasing the paycheck, because that is what is going to make the difference between a successful, a sought after speaker and someone where it was like, okay, thanks, it was good to have you. You ain't got to worry about me telling anybody about <laughs> <laughs> uh, so ricky what else do our listeners need to know and thank you for that great question what else do our listeners need to know in order to make sure they're always owning the microphone something else that i think is important is to always use those moments in your speech where things don't necessarily go well. So maybe your your PowerPoint doesn't work correctly. That's going to happen sometimes. Sometimes the microphone goes out. It's happened to me before. And what do you do in that moment? Do you allow the moment to consume you or do you use that moment to complement your message more? So even if you forgot what you wanted to say, which can happen too, especially being in a room full of four to 500 people or more, sometimes your mind just goes blank because of the adrenaline. So in that moment, if you forget something that you're going to say, are you going to just apologize and not say anything? Or are you going to maximize that moment and figure out how to still deliver an impactful message? Because the only person who knows what you really wanted to say is you, but the, the message that you were designed and divinely appointed to say in that moment is what is going to come out. So just always use those moments to compliment you as opposed to consuming you. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. Because your audience is going to remember what gets your attention. 
So if you sit there and you keep carrying on about the technology not working or the PowerPoint not showing properly, your message gets lost in the sauce. Trust and believe. You're standing up there hyperventilating and going on. Move on. Okay. <laughs> you can give a speech without a PowerPoint. Not my preference. But if I had to, you want to make sure you know your message well enough so you're not even hindered or bothered by a tech hiccup. Ricky Bernie, thank you so much for being on the show. Everybody, visit Ricky's website, and all of this is in the show notes, but for my auditory listeners and learners, if you will, visit EmergingExcellenceLLC.com. Ricky has amazing information there. You can learn all about him, his schedule, get his contact information. When it comes to Ricky, you're not just getting a speech. You are not just getting some words. You're getting engagement, education, energy, experience. You're getting all of that because his approach to speaking is going to focus on empathy to form a deeper connection with his audience. And he has you recognizing and finding that inner strength and, and really getting through those struggles. You're, it's not your typical presentation experience he's going to have you laughing you might even cry but in a good way but most importantly he's going to have you healing learning and implementing so the website again is emergingexcellencellc.com get ricky on your calendar your audiences will not be disappointed thank you so much ricky for being on the show thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure oh, for sure for sure and to my listeners. Thank you for tuning in once again. And until next time, make sure you always own the microphone.